another episode of Shea Reflects, a podcast documenting my journey of learning and unlearning in this experience called life. I'm your host, Shalina. I also go by Shay, and I'm hailing from Ontario, Canada with roots in Jamaica, West Africa, and India. Today, my guest is my sister, Jalisa, and she will be sharing what it's like living with lupus. Welcome to the show, Jalisa. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so my name is Jalisa. As she said, I'm her sister. Um, I just completed my undergrad in health sciences. And this September, I'm going to start my master's in health promotion. Yay! How's it feel being done? <laughs> it's weird. Um, just because it went by so fast and I didn't end my four years in the typical way with an exam and walking out of the classroom and being done. Um, so it feels weird. It doesn't feel official. Right. Yeah. At the time that we're recording this, it's during the COVID-19 pandemic. So the schools were all closed. Yeah. I wrote my finals at home in pajamas, which is nice, but different. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, congrats again. Thanks. Um, so we're going to be talking about lupus. Um, May is Lupus Awareness Month. And I thought that it would be a good idea to do an episode about this topic. So, Julissa, what is lupus? If someone um, never heard of it before, how would you explain it to them? Yeah, so lupus is an autoimmune disease. And autoimmune essentially means that the immune system is attacking your body. Um, So an example would be when you get a virus, your immune system attacks it because it's foreign and wants to get rid of it. Um, But in lupus, your immune system thinks your body is a virus, so it attacks it. Um, So with lupus, it can really attack any part of your body, your skin, your nervous system, Mm -hmm. your kidneys. Um, For me, it affects my joints and my muscles primarily. Um, But yeah, that's kind of a synopsis of what lupus is. There's three different types. Um, One is systemic, which is when it can affect any body system. That's the type that I have. The second type is discoid, which is primarily on the skin. And the third type is drug-induced. So that one is when you take drugs, um, you get lupus-like symptoms, but once you're off of the drug, you no longer have lupus. So, Oh, so the third one, you get it through taking drugs? Yeah, I've never really looked into that one. It's not super popular or talked about a lot. Um, But it's definitely interesting to see that drugs could do this to your body, but then once you're off, 
you no longer have it. So. Oh, and is it specific drugs or? Um, I think it is specific drugs. Again, I've never really looked into it. I've just known about the three ones, but oh, yeah, that's interesting. It is for sure. Crazy. Um. What are some misconceptions that people have? <laughs> Um, about lupus from your Nobody experience. has said this to me, but, um, I'm pretty involved, I guess you could say, in the chronic illness online community. Um, I follow a lot of blogs and mm. forums and posts. Um, and a lot of people think it's contagious, which it isn't, which is great. Um, so that's a misconception. That <laughs> yeah. Um, another misconception that I've been told personally myself and a lot of people get told is you don't look sick. Um, because lupus is an internal disease. Usually mm. there's not a lot of physical manifestations of it. Like you can't really look at me and tell that I'm sick. Um, so a huge misconception is because we don't look sick, we don't feel sick. Mm. Um, and I think for a lot of people in the lupus community, it can kind of feel invalidating, um, because you're like, I feel all this pain. I'm going through so much, but I don't look sick. So I would say that's another one. Um... What else can I say about it? That's a good one because sometimes, like, just living with you, like, mm-hmm. over the years, I forget too. And I know yeah. at the beginning, like, during that period when you would always, like, sleep, mm-hmm. this was before you were diagnosed, mm-hmm. you'd be like, why is she always sleeping? Yeah. Like, she's so it was lazy. Crazy. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I've actually never heard you say that. But yeah, before but in I my was head, di- I'm like, why is girl yeah. always sleeping? Before I was diagnosed, it was very weird. I, like, was diagnosed um, going into ninth grade. And then the summer prior to that, I was experiencing symptoms. But I specifically remember the summer of 8th grade and, like, March break of 8th grade. And I would just, like, wake up, eat, sleep. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't even remember being tired, but I'm just like, oh, I'll sleep. And I could sleep for, like, hours. And I was just like, I don't know why. Um, But the don't look sick, yeah, it's definitely a misconception. And sometimes people may, like, forget. um, And, yeah. Which is, like, understandable. Like, you don't physically see it. I don't really talk about my symptoms a lot um, because, I mean, they're just there. I don't really talk about it a lot. If I'm, like, not feeling well, sometimes I'll just, like, go to my room and not really say much. Um, But I would say those are the two biggest ones. Um, But sometimes, like, I do see, like, with your fingers, like, your mm -hmm. swell, like, the joints. But again, like, if you're just outside walking, people Mm -hmm. won't think of it. For sure, yeah. What advice would you give someone, especially young like mm-hmm. youth, yeah, um, who just got diagnosed with lupus? And specifically, like advice to also to youth that are transitioning, because I know we talk a lot about yeah. that transitioning from mm-hmm. the child to child adult. system to the adult system. Mm-hmm. So I know that's a lot in there. Yeah. But okay. Um. I guess I will start with youth. I would, my advice would be to try and find people who are going through what you're going through. Um, And for me, I kind of got that through like social media platforms. Um, But about four years after my diagnosis, I got to go to a camp where it was literally all children with arthritis and autoimmune diseases. And it was life changing because I didn't have to hide anything. I didn't have to hide taking my meds. I could talk about what I wanted to talk about. Um, So I would definitely say like finding people who... Um, are going through what you're going through is a huge support system and it's hard to find but if you can that would be great Mm. Um, 
I definitely say take it one day at a time because with lupus it's so so unpredictable um everybody doesn't know what they're gonna feel like when they wake up in the morning but especially with lupus like you don't know if you're gonna wake up with a headache or a stomach ache or your muscles are going to cramp up um and it can be easy to get overwhelmed and just thinking about months ahead or weeks ahead but i would say just take it day by day um and just be honest with your doctors um mm with how you're feeling and what you're going through um, because there's so many support systems in place, at least for me. Um, I went to a children's hospital in Toronto that's like one of the top in the world and they were very supportive in that. Um, what else would I say? I think for me, a huge part of getting through it, quote unquote, two things. One was just also having um, a good support system in my school with teachers who are willing to you know, let me take days off when I needed to, get extensions when I needed to, um, and they weren't um, unsupportive, which was great. And the second thing I would say is my faith, because honestly, if I was not a Christian, I probably would not be um, here today, because it can be so discouraging, and mm -hmm. you're just like, oh, this is tiring, and you can compare yourself to other people, and you can just get so discouraged. But like the thing that keeps me going is the fact that I can have hope um, in the promises of God and I can depend on him because I can't depend on myself. Mm -hmm. um, and he is just like such a huge constant in my life that I can stay focused on even when everything around me is changing. Yes. Um, yeah. So I would say that for my, for the youth who are just being diagnosed. Um, and then what was the second part? Transitioning? Yeah, because I know we talk a lot about the challenges or issues with transitioning from the child health care system to the adults mm -hmm. or like hospitals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, my transition process was very, very short. Um, I was prepared for it within a couple of hours. I went to an appointment and they're like, okay, Jalisa, I'm going to ask you all these questions. Here's your doctor. This is what's going to happen. Bye. And I'm like, that was quick. Um, and me, I just was like, I when I was diagnosed, I was very independent. I like knew my meds, knew why I was taking them, knew what I had to do um, as a patient. So I was kind of already ready for the transition process. Um, but it was very short. And I think a lot of things that they don't tell you about the adult healthcare system were present to me. And one of the biggest things is you have to be so independent and you have to know everything about your history, everything about your medications, and really be able to advocate for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And personally, for me, I don't think I was taught that as a pediatric patient. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when I was in university and I was like emailing with my adult doctor and I'm like, I don't feel well. And she's like, well, you could take this. And I'm like what do you think? And she's like, I'm only here to guide you. I'm not here to force you to take anything. And I was like, was mind blown point, because what? I'm like, what? When I was a pediatric patient, they just told me what to take and I took it. Um, so in terms of transitioning, I would say ask questions early. Um, ask for things like talking alone with your doctor or maybe you taking the lead in your pediatric appointments and just asking a lot of questions um, and being honest if you feel overwhelmed or not prepared um, because there were a lot of resources in place from what I knew. They just weren't being implemented um, within my clinic. So I would just say again, like ask a lot of questions and it is definitely a big leap um, 
but your doctors are there to support you and they do have your medical information like they're not completely blindsided Mm -hmm. um but definitely one of the goals of transitioning is you do want to become independent because you will um be an adult and I think the best time to start that would be um preteen years and just practicing kind of um relaying your medical information and relaying your concerns and just being really attentive of your symptoms, what makes them better, what makes them worse, and just of your general healthcare history. Mm. Um, I remember before, like, I think you went to these meetings or, I don't know if it was meetings, but like with other kids mm-hmm. in, in um, sick kids, mm-hmm. and a lot, you were saying how a lot of them didn't know about their meds. Yeah. So like, why is that important? For people to know I think it's, their own medication. <laughs> I think it's super important just like what because could it's, it's going into your body, first of all. Yeah. Um, and again, you will eventually have to become an adult. But a kind of funny story is for me, um, I was like interested in the health field. So I like took the charge of like knowing everything. And my parents kind of stepped back and were like, okay, you can do it. But um, it's very important just in terms of like emergency situations. Whenever you go to the hospital or a doctor's appointment, they're like, what medications are you taking? And you can't just be like, oh, the white pill or oh, the orange one. Because <laughs> <That'd> be <me. laughs> realistically, um, medication interactions are so serious. And if they give you the wrong thing, um, it can be bad. Or even side effects of certain medications may make you susceptible to something um, and it's so, so, so important to know what you're on and why you're on it. And I know the drug names are very hard, but it's important oh, yes. to know. Um, but I just remember being at the meeting and not a lot of people knew what meds they were on. And I kind of did a bit of an independent study on this topic. And the reason why um, a lot of kids don't know or like don't take charge and aren't independent is because they get diagnosed at a very young age. Mm-hmm. So if someone's diagnosed at five, they're obviously not going to know their medications. Their parents are going to take care of everything. Right. And the problem is when they get older, their parents don't loosen the reins. So their parents are still taking out their medication, booking um, doctor's appointments, filling prescriptions. Mm-hmm. So they never really let go. And then the child is pushed into adult care and they're just like a deer in headlights. Yeah. Um, so that's like a significant reason why. But... Medications are a huge part of chronic illness and knowing them is honestly life-saving because sometimes doctors won't ask if you're on something um, and you just need to know how they interact with one another. So, yes, that's great advice. What are some challenges with living with lupus and some overcomings it's not a word <laughs> things that you've overcome yeah if you want to oh. share one or two when I think of or... challenges um I guess I would I guess I can divide it into the academic sphere and the social sphere mm-hmm. um just because I've been a student for basically all of my life um so in terms of academic I would just say the process of getting accommodations um was difficult for me just in terms of like exams and assignments and sometimes I'm not feeling well and will need an extension on an assignment um, and I can get it but I feel like in academia they have to be strategic which sounds really bad um, but my accommodations basically allow me to get extensions whenever I want to 
Um, but as an academic institution, they have to make sure that I'm not always getting extensions and I'm not always not handing my work in on time because as an academic institution, they have to kind of keep their um, standards set high. So a challenge for me is whenever I'm sick or not feeling well or have muscle pain or didn't sleep that night, I kind of have to put myself in the mind space and be like, Julissa, can you actually do this or can you not? And sometimes, even if I can't do it, I still will not ask for the extension because you have to be strategic and only asking for it a certain amount of times. That's right. Um, And they don't explicitly say that, but it's definitely... um, it's definitely present in the academic sphere, I would say. Um, but so. the the profs that you've had or and teachers in high mm-hmm. school, were they understanding or were they, like, have you ever experienced discrimination? Um, I would say, like, the personal profs and teachers I've had have all been great. Um, the way that it works at my university is as long as academic counseling says you're good, the profs just have to do it. Like, they, oh, okay. they don't have a choice. Um, so they've been great. Um, the only time I've experienced discrimination was in high school, and I was running late to class and wanted to take the elevator. Oh, Obviously, yeah. I don't look sick. I remember so this. I'm waiting for the elevator, and a teacher comes up to the elevator, and she goes, what are you doing? You can take the stairs. And I'm like, no, like my knee's hurting. And she's like, okay, you can wait outside the elevator. And she just like closed the door in my face. What? And went up, up the stairs. She didn't let you go in? She didn't let me go oh, in. And I was late, and I was just like, oh, this is the time. Luckily, though, my high school was amazing, and I was very um, close with my principal and had very open communication. Did you tell the principal? So I literally told her. I went to the office, and I told her, and she's like, okay, like, what do you need me to do? Do you want me to, like, give your picture to every teacher? And I'm like, no, that's a bit too much. But she's like, I will just make a general announcement and let them know that, like, even if students don't look like they need it, um, let them use it. So that, I would say, was the biggest type of discrimination. Good. Um, In terms of social challenges, I think just, like, honestly not being able to do what everybody else does, which I think is, like, a common human condition. You just want to be able to do what other people do, um, whether it be, like, playing sports or spontaneously going on walks. Um, The city that I go to university in, there are so many beautiful parks and trails and pathways and people love to go on walks and I just physically cannot do that um so I would just say not being able to do certain things or not always being able to go to events um for long periods of time or like always having to plan okay Jaleesa how are you going to get there and how are you going to get back Mm -hmm. because you physically cannot be taking two buses or doing transfers or things like that um luckily my friends have been super great about it like They'll still invite me to things, um, and if I can't do something, they're fine with it, Um, but I would just say wanting to do certain things and kind of be more independent, but I can't really do that just because of physical limitations, so. Yeah, I didn't even think of that simple walks, because sometimes like, you just go check the mail. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like, I, I could, but again, it's just like, there's this thing called the spoon theory. With chronic illness, um, and it's kind of like you have a certain amount of spoons when you start your day, and spoons are like energy little things, if you want to call it that, Uh Um, and everything you do takes a certain amount of spoons. So, say for example, for you, um, who doesn't have a chronic illness, it'd take like one spoon to like go to the mailbox and come back, but it'll take me like four, 
right? Oh. And then say, for example, like, I'll only have 10 spoons a day and you could have 20. So it's kind of like you're measuring out how That's much interesting... you can give of yourself. Yeah, it's an interesting theory for sure. Huh. Yeah. So you're kind of like, how much of myself can I give and, like, what am I going to do and, like, how long will this take my body to recover from when I'm doing something? And it's kind of just like a mental... That's a good illustration. Mm -hmm. I think it's even applicable to, like, kids. I'm just thinking of the kids I work with. Yeah. Especially the young, young ones. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes you forget they're they're still developing. They're just, like, three years old. They've only lived for three years. Like, they don't... It takes me one spoon to do this. It takes them ten spoons to do that. Yeah, because it's just so much, like, energy and thinking and all that stuff. That's a good analogy. I like that. So, I would say there's just a lot of thinking that goes into things. Um, yeah. And then in terms of things that I've overcome, um, yeah, I would also put it into social and academic, I guess. Um, more so academic, just like graduating high school, Woo-hoo! even though I had two knee surgeries in my last year of high school Crazy. with six weeks of recovery. Crazy. Um, I don't know how. It was... Honestly, God, it was wild because I was on these, like, very intense painkillers, recovering from surgery. Man, that was in high school, eh? It was crazy. I was, like, reflecting on my high school years, especially grade 11 and 12, and it's, like, I would literally go to school, come home, and go to physio right away, or, like, go to school, come home, go to um, this, like, research mindfulness group that I was doing, Mm -hmm. or, like, go to school, come home, go to my... um, psychology appointment like I was always like going somewhere mm-hmm. and I'm like that was wild <laughs> so, I guess I never yeah. really took it into because at that time I was in university mm-hmm. just always in the library yep <laughs> in my room mm-hmm. so I guess I never know wow that's intense it was very very intense and wow. I was like weaning off of medications and like I was literally going through detox during like my last two months of high school and it was absolutely wild because you just get really hot and then really cold and then nauseous and it was just like absolutely crazy um but it's interesting I've like talked to a few of my friends who have chronic pain and I think a lot of times when you go through that you kind of just forget about it which sounds weird um but like I'd just be talking to my friends like I can't believe this happened or like I recently got my gallbladder out and had gallbladder pain for like almost a year and when it just when you go through it you kind of just forget about it which sounds weird but mm-hmm. like I don't know if your mind's like that's traumatic I'm gonna block it out yeah <laughs> maybe it's like <laughs> maybe it like does. I remember that it happened but like I don't really remember like the pain and the intensity um mm-hmm. Which is, like, absolutely crazy. So, I would say graduating high school and graduating university. um, Because even university, almost every year, like, I had a new health problem or a new diagnosis. And just navigating that with school and um, courses and assignments was absolutely crazy. So, another thing I've overcome, I would say, is just how God uses suffering for good. Um, And a lot of people have said, oh, the fact that you cling to God in this is crazy. Or the fact that you choose joy and pain is crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And just reading more into the Bible and just even the example of Paul and seeing how through all of his suffering, he reached so many people um, and he planted so many churches. And just the fact that 
the suffering now can in no way compare to future glory and eternity and and heaven where there's no pain and no tears um and just being able to cling to something that's outside of myself outside of my circumstances outside of my control and see how god can bring me to new places and meeting new people because even the reason why um i wanted to become a doctor was because of my experience with the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I wouldn't want to be a doctor if I wasn't sick. And just going to Western and choosing my program and meeting all these people, um, so much has come out of it. And I just think a changed mindset is definitely the biggest thing that um, I've overcome, I would say. Nice. Yeah, because I remember when you were younger, you wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, that changed very quickly. I took law in grade 11, did well, but... I didn't agree with certain laws, which sounds very weird, but I'm like, I don't think I can 100% defend this legal system, so I'm just going to not, <laughs> and I'm just going to choose another path, um, but yeah. That's awesome. First doctor in the fam. Yeah, it's it's a process, for sure, and I'm, I'm very glad. I did apply to medical school this year and did not get in, but in light of COVID, I'm very glad that I did not get in. Because mm, learning... That's a good way of looking at... Yeah. yeah Everything happens lear- for a reason, right? Honestly, because learning medical school anatomy in, like, online through Zoom, no. <laughs> I just think it's not great. Like, who wants a doctor who's learned anything online? Like, I just think that's crazy. Yeah. But it's just, like, I learn way better in person, so I'm very grateful that I did not get in because then I'd just be doing medical school um, from a desk at home. Um, And I'm super excited for my master's because I've heard it's very hard. It requires perseverance and just resilience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm excited to be able to learn what that's like and grow and prepare myself to better enter into medicine. Nice. Well done. Yay, Talisha. Yeah, that's all the questions I have. Maybe just to wrap up, maybe... Do you know of anything off the top, any resources or websites off the top of your head that people who want to learn more about lupus could check out, mm-hmm. uh, either if they have it or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the main website that I give is lupus.org, um, and it's the website for the Lupus Foundation of America, um, and they just have so, so many resources, whether you have lupus, you're caring for someone with lupus, Um, drugs that are used to treat lupus, videos, forums, they just have like everything that you could possibly need um, to learn more about lupus, so that's a great resource. Um, So Canada doesn't, Canada's lacking? Canada does have one, but I would definitely say that they are lacking. Um, They don't have as many resources, they're not really updating the public on how um, the money for research is being used, Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure they're probably a lot smaller because Canada is smaller which means less people in Canada have lupus so you also have to compare like population and funding and stuff Mm -hmm. um so the Canada one is good more so for like local resources but in terms of like information from different perspectives and to just know the most updated news about what's going on in lupus research I would definitely say Mm lupus.org um and for a Less structured approach, I would say www.themighty.com. So that's like a blog post central for people with various chronic illnesses. Um, And it kind of just gives you a very personal perspective of what it's like to live with a chronic illness. 
whether it be like lupus or chronic pain or disability or anything like that just a warning for that website it's very raw and it's very real um, and I think it could definitely open your eyes to things that maybe you wouldn't notice if you didn't have a disability but if you definitely want like the real experience and the raw experience of what people are going through day to day um, the struggles that they are facing the things that they are overcoming I would definitely say themighty.com and it can pretty much give you a perspective on almost any chronic illness um, or disability so that's hmm. definitely a cool website awesome thanks for sharing yeah this is a learning experience me. for me too even though like <laughs> every time we talk it's like a learning experience it is. It truly because is. <laughs> things are constantly changing or i'm just like learning new things and it's like oh hmm. cool yeah all right thank you thank you for listening to shave reflex see you in the next one